Hello guys and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the wonderful Lido Lada Cafe in Portland. If you want a great coffee and a great meal, go down and see the girls down at Lido Lada. They'll definitely sort you out for the day. Um, on this episode, I've got one half of the Mind Muscle Project, Australia's Fitters Podcast, Raf Freeman. He is one half of, as I said, Mind Muscle Project with Lockie Roston, R- Rostone, and they are also owners of Creature Fitness. They have an amazing podcast and is your one-stop shop in Australia to get any advice or any information in regards to your health and fitness and much more. Um, as I said, Raf is a knowledgeable guy with Australian health and fitness industry and he really opened my eyes and my insight into how, what it really takes to market yourself and your brand, no matter what it is, especially in the competitive fitness industry, what it takes to make it to the top, um, how to just grow within yourself and how to optimize your health and fitness. We talk about all different modalities and techniques in fitness. Um, we touch on CrossFit and why they moved away. I really try to dig into that. Um, we look at nutrition and how that really is the power for your performance in the gym or whatever you do. We also talk about the state of isolation, how it's impacted uh, the fitness industry and gyms and all across the board, really, in Australia, in the economy as well. Um, Raph was an insightful, smart guy. I really appreciate my time. I look up to these two um, for all knowledge about health and fitness because I'm so passionate about it for ourselves and for our own optimization. So, guys, make sure you go and check out the Mind Muscle Project podcast, Australia's Fitters podcast. Um, they're on Spotify and iTunes. Look over to their Instagram as well. It's at Mind Muscle Project and also at Raf Friedman and at Lockie Roasten. These guys are legends. I was so happy to have one half on there and so lucky to even have them consider coming on the show. Um, so please enjoy this episode with Raf Friedman. viewers, listeners, Snake Edwards on the recorder here. This one's a belter. Mind Muscle Project, one half, unfortunately, but uh, Raph Friedman, welcome to A Chat With Pat podcast, mate. I'm so super stoked to have you on here. I look up to you boys um, a heap, a heap, so thank you. Thanks very much, Pat. Don't worry, it's, it's the better half for sure. <laughs> well, one, day we'll, half. one day when I'm um, hopefully growing a bit more, we'll get lucky on here yeah. as well and we'll have a good chat. Yeah. So I, I from the very start, followed you boys, um, well, not from the very start, but pretty closely and I love your podcast, loved everything you do. Um, so you guys are the, the fittest podcast in Australia, but also you guys are quite broad and have a wonderful knowledge and own three gyms amongst many other things. Where did this all kind of begin, Raph, you and Lockie? So how did that kind of start up and start your spy and just build this great business, I guess, in marketing side of things? Yeah, so the, the podcast and really the whole journey, I guess, has been yeah. six years now. Um, so it's around oh, maybe seven years, around 2013. <laughs> It started uh, in CrossFit when CrossFit was getting super popular um, in Australia. Uh, that was something Lockie and I were both into. So we were doing it, um, you know, intensely as athletes. So training twice a day for that. Um, we were new to it, but we both came in with a, a pretty good background of fitness. So we could get pretty good at it um, reasonably quickly, um, which was great. But we also had a, a pretty big interest um, in delivering it to clients at the same time. So it was like yes. split passions. Okay, we want to smash this as athletes ourselves. We also think it's an incredible type of training uh, for the general population as well. 
Uh, I thought about opening a gym even you know, way before the whole thing hit, but what the CrossFit side of things did was it made it way more accessible. Before that, it was like, oh, I you know, need millions of dollars to have this huge, massive facility with leg extensions and leg curls and treadmills. And then it became far more achievable. Like, oh no, I only need like $30,000 and a garage um, and a rig and some yeah. bars and plates. So it just, it just brought, I guess, the timeline of it much sooner. Um, so we started out as athletes, um, training hard every single day. We started out um, owning a share of a gym, um, which was fantastic because it allowed us to train the way we wanted and to um, keep experimenting with these types of training with clients. Yeah. Uh, and then the podcasting was almost instant because I loved podcasts. I was huge into them. Um, I was listening to them before Apple had the iTunes program, like the podcasting app. So you'd have to like download the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I just like torrent the podcasts save them on my phone and have like listen to them that way. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. We're, we're really big onto it. Um, so we started the podcast really early. We started it as a, a gyms podcast, like a podcast for our members. Um, but in those early days, there weren't that many shows. Um, so like really quickly, lots of people from outside were listening. So we broadened it out. And we were actually just talking about this right before the show started. But uh, we started off, it was quite broad. And then we said, hey, what can we deliver the most value for? And it was like, hey, we want to go we want to go all around Sydney trying to um, podcast with Aussies who are really good at health and fitness that haven't share, shared their story yeah. amongst the broad population. So we only did in-person podcasts for over a year. Um, we never missed a week from when we started. We still haven't missed a week um, in six years. And we only did in-person podcasts. So we were doing like in-person every single week. So we'd travel or we'd have somebody travel to us, um, which was incredible. And most of those, a lot of those people have been on other shows now, but at the time, we were like the first podcast nearly every single one of them had done. Um, so we look, really look back on those days fondly because we feel like it was a great thing for the Aussie fitness community. What we were trying to do was get the word out there. Um, and then after that, we just kind of yeah, kept going, um, kept training more clients in the gym. We got more gyms and just kept trying to give them the same type of training uh, and then just broadened out the, I guess, the type of guests we have on the show. Started doing online podcasts, traveled to the States to do podcasts in the States, um, which was amazing. Uh, and then after probably four or five years of being athletes in CrossFit, then we really kind of gave it up or transitioned yeah. out of it. Um, so we trained so hard for so long at a certain point, um, kind of just lost the passion for it. And the sport did change quite a lot as well, yeah. kind of lost that original vibe. Um, so we transitioned out and now we're really promoting a message of how you can you know, keep doing fitness sustainably for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's important because the fitness community can sometimes be a bit, um, you versus me. <laughs> and I find that from listening to you guys, you guys kind of dabble in a bit of everything and bring that community together, which it kind of, I think it should be. Yeah. Well, we were just really deep into it. And then, so when we were really deep in, we were like, Oh, like this is the only way. And we started to shut out some of the other voices. Yeah. And as we did the show and got heaps of just a wide variety of guests on that, you know, some of them thought the CrossFit training was stupid. Yeah. Um, some of them thought it was okay. Some of them thought it was the best thing ever. And then as we transitioned out, we were like, oh, you know, there's a place for this and there's a place for all sorts of other stuff. Uh, and we were, we were a bit off the mark, just like only going down the one route. And then realized at that point, nearly everyone falls into that trap where they're like only doing the powerlifting type training, only doing the stretching, yeah. only doing CrossFit training. So we've really tried to broaden it and bring all those aspects to the, the average person with fitness. Yeah, yeah. Now, what was the hardest part of growing your brand at the start, Raph? I mean, social media is a wonderful tool especially in this day and age, what was the most difficult thing in getting, I guess, my muscle project out there and out in people and things like that? Well, a common misconception and one thing that we thought at the beginning, so at the beginning we thought, okay, what we'll do is we'll get on like a guest with a really big following 
Yeah. Uh, and then we'll just basically get that whole following and like, we'll be massive. So we get someone that normally gets a hundred thousand, whatever, um, impressions or listens on their show or whatever it is. And then we'll get that whole hundred thousand and like, you know, then we'll go on yeah. massive things after yeah. that. It's definitely not how it happens. Like we got some really big guests at the very beginning, um, just through like connections and stuff. And you know, when you first start, it doesn't make much of an impact at all. Yeah. It's not how it works. Like, you know, even if you get LeBron James on your show, you probably get a lot of listens with LeBron James, but then it'll go straight back down to where it was yeah. uh, unless you're putting out really good quality content consistently. So that was, I guess, the mistake we made at the beginning. We thought it'd be a much quicker road than it was because if we thought we could get these guests on, we would just attract that whole audience. Um, but that wasn't how it happened. How it did end up actually working was, it was a combination of two things. It was one, just finding out really what our listeners wanted to hear. Yeah. Uh, and at the time that was like Aussie CrossFit stuff. Um, so we could specialize into that. And then it was just fulfilling the promises we gave them, which was being incredibly consistent with our output. So it wasn't like, like I said, we never miss weeks, you know. We've gone six years. We never missed a Monday show. When we started a second show of the week, we told them, hey, this is going to be Lockie and I. We're going to be talking about this. And then, you know, we never missed an episode of that and for another four years. Yeah. And then we added a business show and we did the same thing. And uh, now we're up to four shows a week. We still never miss an episode. Um, so I think what's been incredible has just been that consistency in delivering on our promises. And that way, you know, we've got, we just did a survey of our listeners and, you know, a large percentage of our listeners have been listening for over two years. Mm-hmm. And they listen around, you know, once or twice a week. So that's, you know, a couple of hours a week for years yeah um, that, it's, a, it's a lot of listening and i think a big part of that is you just gotta be really consistent consistent to the point that if we're late releasing a podcast on a day people are messaging it yeah. like they're like hey where's that show that i always listen to on a wednesday morning on my way to work uh and you can only build that into people's habits and routines by by being incredibly consistent yeah and that definitely gives value to listeners like and that makes them more and more so attached to the product for the podcast or the business itself or whatever anyone's going into it gives your consumers definitely some engagement some value to what you're producing yeah and i think if we if we change crazy topics and more this type of podcast and then this type of podcast you know each month we would just listeners would be like oh you know they've they've changed or they haven't delivered on what they said they were going to be and being australia's health and um fittest podcast Uh, but we didn't we just like really stuck the course we have like you know slowly veered over time but we've been incredibly consistent and it's like it's you know what you see is what you get we keep delivering health, fitness, mindset experts to the show week after week. That's incredible. That's incredible. How's it all changed, uh, Jim and podcast-wise, um, with COVID um, from you boys? I listened to a podcast by you guys. Uh, was it through? It was, the, it was one thing that really stuck out to me. It was like the economic-based ones. And it was like, um, well, gyms have got to be, you know, they should be ready to adapt to this stuff. They should be ready to adapt to these things because these things happen. Um, mm. I get the feeling that you guys are pretty well set out in that way and pretty were prepared somewhat to this financially and things like that. Yeah. Like don't get twisted. We definitely got caught by surprise. Yeah, yeah. We, we did not have like a COVID playbook uh, or pandemic <laughs> playbook that we were ready to roll out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hit the fitness industry particularly hard. I think that people are keeping it super positive. Now you see a lot of gym owners like, Oh, it's all good, but you know, we're fighting through, but I already know uh, gyms that yeah. you know, won't reopen on the other side of this. Um, and you, it's just, it's been really tough. And a huge part of it has just been what we've found is that for the smaller gym owners, it's had a really big hit at just like, you know, their will to keep going on because it's, it's hard work. Obviously you might've spent years building up your membership, yeah. but something for like this to hit, you know, savage what you've worked so hard for and take you back to where you were several years ago. A lot of people are like, Hey, this is just the perfect time to walk away. Yeah. Business and, and in general. Yeah. It's rough. And then I also think if you walk away right now, no one's going to blame you. 
you know, if you, if you close your yeah. gym six months ago, like, oh, he quit or he couldn't make it work. If you close it now, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, that's just bad luck. No one, no one could have seen a, a crazy pandemic. Um, so I, I do think it's had a really hard hit on the industry. I think yeah. it's going to continue to have a hard hit. I don't think everyone's going to run back into um, sweaty group classes in 30 days and it's going to be back to how it was. I think there'll be long lasting um, big effects from it. Um, but, you know, the one thing that I think business should have done and, you know, we probably could have done a better job of, but at least we had some aspects of it in place was we were already really trying to integrate online and um, yeah. both for the back end of the business and the front end of the business. So in the back end, we were already doing all the Zoom stuff, remote meetings with staff, Slack, like, you know, all those types of remote um, work tools um, that businesses are, are grappling with now. We're already, already doing a lot of that stuff because um, that's just a good way to support the team to be more remote in general and better for their lifestyle. And then we were already using, you know, uh, individual programming apps to deliver training videos, like online nutrition coaching, that type of stuff yeah. already was, it was already being done for the clients. We already had some clients that were only training with us remotely when they left the gym. Yeah. Um, and we actually wanted to really expand that part of the business. And what's been incredible about COVID is we had this whole section of clients we wanted to do this stuff with, but they were like, oh, I can't download this app. They just were having trouble with taking up the technology. Yeah. And now if they don't do it, they get nothing. So now they've all taken it up. We've got everybody on these platforms. So as we go back into the gym, like the online part of the training is staying yeah. 100%. It's not going anywhere. Everybody will have some combination of in-person and online. The yeah. online is just is so awesome for fitness because you're supporting people even on the days they don't make it into the gym. Exactly. Uh, that you just, you just can't ignore it. Yeah. What is some of the, so you mentioned online, what are some of the, I guess, the good things that could come out of this for fitness industry gym owners? You know, what are, what is, is it just clear innovation through online programming and more offering of that side of things? Because when you're like me in a rural town, it's really you just go into your gym and mm. get it done. Is there anything that could become out of this, you think? Yeah. So I think one good part is what I mentioned. I think a lot of the gym owners that were half-hearted, um, yeah. they're gone. Like they're just closed and, and you're not getting that really average um, delivery anymore of gyms that were just hanging on year after year. Like they, they're cut out. It's only the people that are going to be left on the other side of this people that are committed. They're willing to work really hard through a really hard situation because they're passionate about supporting people. Uh, if you weren't that passionate, you'd be like, fuck it. I'll just do something else. Yeah. Right? So that's one, I think, you know, while it's heartache in the short term, I think it'll be great. Uh, for the industry in the long run. Uh, and then I think, yeah, a huge consequence of it is it'll be interesting. It's hard to know like where group fitness will come out after yeah. this. If people in the long run will ever really want to come back to 30 people in a small room all sweating together like that, that might never come back. Uh, but I think what is for sure is people have realized that you should be able to have some workout options outside of the gym. Exactly. Because you know, the average member at a global fitness gym makes, makes that gym about once a month. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's pretty average. But everyone gets home every day. And I think a lot of people have realized, hey, there is a lot I can do at home. You know, yeah. even like for me, I live in a two-bedroom apartment. I've got more gym equipment than I used to here. I'm hitting way more workouts in here. Yeah, and like see the chin-up bar in the background. Yeah. <laughs> got air bike, kettlebells, sandbags. And uh, I think what you'll see in the future is that there's going to be a huge proportion of the population. They're like, hey, I make it to the gym two, three times a week, but I work out six times a week. Yeah. Whereas in before, it was like, hey, I didn't make it to the gym hands in the air like well, that's that's all i could do you know so uh, i think that'll hopefully be a really big positive into the future and that's why i think delivering some online coaching and training is going to be essential because if people are buying all this gym equipment um they're getting set up for remote working out and they still need support they still need a trainer they still need someone checking their form so being able to help people in that format uh, i think will last 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. I totally agree. And I noticed that within myself, just training at home and even getting creative somewhat with your own workouts and giving, you know, programming your own workout at home yep. to go or something like that. It's, it really puts that accountability on a different perspective for yourself at home. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's been a bit of an excuse killer. You know, I used to think, mm. oh, I can't make it to the gym. Like, I just, I, I won't be able to make a workout today. But you realize, like, hey, if you've got 15 minutes at home anytime, you know, you, you can fit something in. Yeah, you can that. Yeah, if you if you're not, you're just making an excuse about it. So, um, I love that side of thing. Um, but you know, when I see, we've got some friends that um, sell home gym equipment, uh, and it's crazy. You know, they're saying that they're selling over a year's worth of home gym stock. They sold in like three days, uh, and and they're out of stock for the whole year. But all I think when I see that is I think it's amazing. Uh, but I do hope people are out there trying to service these clients with coaching. Uh, and technique coaching and motivation and accountability because you still need all those things yeah because you're going away from the gym to home um so hopefully that that side of the industry can can just gain some momentum yeah and the big part of that is with via those programs like nutritionally or gym wise um or like you know at home online programming is that it's a lot of it is accountability i think people look for they just want someone to kind of tell them what to do and keep them on the right track i think a lot of that is what comes from individuals because they need that yeah sometimes um i hear people like kind of shame the accountability sign like oh you should be able to keep yourself accountable but yeah uh, we're we're huge believers in account accountability you know even our gym businesses it's the it is the main thing we offer the main thing we offer is accountability um i've got a fitness coach had one for nearly four years same one um so you know coaches still need coaches themselves um and even if you look at top athletes like obviously they're self-motivated but if you have a coach standing next to you, you're still going to often push that 1% more. Yeah. And that's why everybody has them. Uh, so like look at T. Claire or... Yeah, they've know, all got coaches. Or, oh, yeah, or for Rich. Yeah, they've all got coaches. Like, it's just, you, you just need it. You can't... Yeah, and, and I mean, it's, it is important to be able to motivate yourself. Um, but it's even better to be able to motivate yourself and have someone push you even further to the point um, that you couldn't before. Or open your eyes to what you didn't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you've got a regular job, you're not going to be a health and fitness expert. So someone that can support you through that, take three, you know, get you 10 years of results in three years through proper guidance really does make an impact. Mm-hmm. For me personally, getting coach was the best thing I did um, when I was training CrossFit. It, you know, I, I got years of progress in one year. Uh, it was a huge leapfrog because yeah. you just get that extra push, you get the accountability and you also get the guidance. So we really try and yeah, take away the stigma for it. It's not like uh, needing accountability. It's just, it means you're weaker. Um, usually means you're stronger because you're just like, hey, I, I would, I would love that extra accountability. Exactly. You're like open to say it, uh, and you'll get better results. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I totally agree. And one thing that I've also noticed amongst all this is that, in, well, in my community, I don't know if it's the same in Sydney, that people are actually getting outside more, even though it's horrid weather down here. Like, yeah. um, everyone's riding and running and stuff like that. It's amazing. Like, I've got Strava, and I've seen so many people just pop up saying, "This person's got Strava. This person's got Strava." Mm. Like, it's that's kind of one good thing about it all. Is that probably just going out and running a bit more riding and getting in nature yeah outdoor fitness outdoor fitness and at home fitness has exploded um yeah. and the weather's been great here so I had, like I've, <laughs> I've never seen the park this busy in my life um which which is awesome the gym isn't the only uh way to do fitness uh which is great because you know we i think often before you see some people that just only go to the gym and they go to the gym six days a week and then you get the people that only ride the bikes and run outside yeah. And the message we often try to send is like, hey, the best is going to be doing both. Mm. Um, you know, that, that is super clear. If you just ride your bike and run, uh, you're probably not going to look very good. Um, you're probably going to be awesome at riding your bike and running, but your mobility and your movement is going to be rubbish. Likely, overuse injuries um, will eventually catch up to you. 
and you're going to work out nine hours a week and you don't even really look like you work out, um, yeah. which kind of sucks as well for most people. Uh, yeah. And if you go to the gym, like you're just missing out on a lot. You're missing out on, um, I think, some of the mental benefits of, of doing that sort of cardiovascular training at your own, you're missing out on the vitamin D, um, all the refreshing aspects people get from out in nature. And, you know, if you only go to the gym and you can't jump in on a five kilometer run with your friends, like how fit are you really? Yeah. yeah. You know, so we try and be a huge proponent of that combination. And hopefully, you know, this situation of having the gyms closed has forced a lot of the people that are just like staying in their safe zone in the gym outdoors a bit. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll need like some crazy weather thing that forces all the outdoor <laughs> people into the gym for a period to even it out. Uh, but yeah, that has been a, that has been a really good aspect to it. I do hope people that have gone outside still do come back into the gym um, yeah. because it might seem like it. If you've been to the gym for a long time, that all you need to do is run, row, uh, run, bike and swim, but it is better if you do both. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's an important thing that I've always believed is that you know, there's nothing wrong with kind of dabbling in all these different things, even though there's a somewhat a stigma about someone who, okay, might be a CrossFitter who, cop a bit of flack or used mm. to I think for unnecessarily reasons I love CrossFit as a sport or someone who is a bodybuilder or whatever why can't you just take on all these modalities there's mm. no what, what's wrong with that yeah I think that's changing a lot yeah um, you've seen a bunch of the even the top competitive CrossFitters like in their off season they do an Ironman um, or this other type of like adventure racing competition people realise that like hey there is more to it than doing kipping pull-ups uh, every single day yeah. Um, so I think overall people are starting to, to broaden their fitness and truth is like, you know, if you're not seriously competing, uh, you're missing out by not, um, broadening out and trying to specify, um, or just be really specific with your training. Yeah. And you might lose out on something that you might actually, you know, enjoy or be good at. Like you, you have, you've only scratched the surface really. If you're like me, 25 year old bloke, like if you have only done bodybuilding, there could be so much more athletic or training potential there for you. Yeah, and, and you know the truth is, speak to anyone that competes in one of the modalities, any of like the type of barbell sports, like powerlifting, or like bodybuilding, CrossFit, is that uh, when you when you get into it, you get tons of really good benefits out of it. You discover all these things, and it's amazing. And then if you want to get really good, uh, then it becomes all encompassing. You're getting overuse injuries, and your your fitness is suffering outside of that one specific thing you're trying to get good at. So it's like yeah. as you really dive into something harder, it tends to hurt your fitness overall. Um, but that's what it takes to compete and win. Uh, so if you're not competing, we generally try and, yeah, we, we usually recommend, hey, like, don't try and get world-class at your bench press because if you do that, you know, you're going to have to gain heaps of body fat, which is generally unhealthy, cut your cardio, you're not going to be able to run, you're likely going to lose mobility, and there's going to be, like, negative consequences overall to your fitness to really yeah. get good at it. But if you try and get, just get pretty good at that and then get pretty good at something else, you get a lot of the benefits without uh, some of those downsides that come with specializing. Yeah. Why do people in your eyes, Raph, somewhat fail so they get into endurance, you know, or CrossFit or something like that? Why do some people kind of, you know, fail on their programs after a month or two? In? Why do you think that? What's the most common thing that you probably think or witness? Well, we've seen, I've seen thousands of clients succeed, um, but we've definitely seen lots of clients still fail. Yeah. Um, definitely not every client that comes to us ends up a, a revving success. Some don't. Uh, and one of the funny things is you can usually tell within the first couple of weeks if they're going to be successful. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell a lot by this, the language they use. So first one, someone this, if someone says, how long is it going to take until I'm good at this or until I get this, I yeah. usually know they're going to be out of here in a month or two. It's not for the enjoyment. As soon as, <laughs> soon as you start asking, oh, how long until I can do that? How long is it going to take for me to, get, to be able to do this? You know, often it's longer than you think. 
Uh, but two, you're already trying to count down the days until you get to some certain benchmark, whereas fitness is a lifelong pursuit. So if you ever count down the days, you know, you're in trouble for it. So they've just generally come in with the incorrect mindset. You know, they've come in with the mindset of like, how can I make, how can I shortcut getting to these certain results? There are no whereas, shortcuts. <laughs> no, the, the, clients, the, the clients that come in, they never ask how long is it going to take. It's normally like, hey, how can I do this better? Like they're focusing on in the moment, what we're working on right now, how can I do this even better? They're coachable. Those people, you know, the irony is they improve and they actually do get to the goal much faster, um, but they're just focusing much more on the process so they don't get burnt out. Whereas the person is like, how long, how long, how long? You know, they get an injury that blows out their uh, imaginary time scale they had of getting to their goal in their head and then they're, they're out of there. Um, yeah. So it's usually that impatience and just um, focusing on the outcome. Um, and you know that from their mindset as soon as they walk into it. Do you think, um, obviously, it probably would. How much does a bad personal trainer or coach come into play with that? Like, how many? Like, I know there's probably not. You know, I've had a chat with Danny about this on podcast before. It's probably not the best standard of personal trainers per se in Australia. Do you think that plays a huge part in it as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty good standard. I think there's still are yeah. tons of great trainers, tons of great gyms out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's obviously a combination. Um, I I do think more of somebody's success comes down to the client than the coach. Yeah. A client is incredible. A client works incredibly hard, has an incredible mindset, even a really average trainer, they're going to crush it. Uh, and if someone is incredibly difficult client, even the best trainer is going to struggle with the client. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, no one does your pushups for you. It's still all up to the client. Yeah. So the client has, you know, coaches don't like to admit it, but the client has the biggest, uh, indicator for how successful they're going to be and you already know that because a trainer might have 30 clients 10 are getting unbelievable results 10 are moderate results 10 are really crappy results and the trainer is giving the same effort to all of them so the the effort there's a huge amount of responsibility on the actual person um, delivering the training but then yeah you know the trainer makes a massive difference i think the gym nowadays because a lot of people go to like boutique gyms yeah gym has a huge difference um the culture of the gym has a big difference uh, there's a lot of gyms that have like amazing culture, but it's not really much of a culture around improvement. It's just more of a culture around in, enjoyment, um, which is fine, but just don't expect if you walk into that sort of culture to see massive improvements. Yeah. Um, and you see that cause you see people that have been at the gym for years and they're still not really in great shape. And that's just cause it's the culture of the gym that, Hey, it's just like more of a fun gym and yeah. we're not going to really hold you accountable to getting results. And if you see someone, Hey, like, you know, and they're mm-hmm. still in the same place they were years ago, they've been coming to the gym. Yeah. You know, that is the culture you're stepping into. Don't expect crazy results in a culture yes. like that. You'll get other cultures where it's just like before and after, before and after, you know, I walked in like this, now I'm here. And then the people that are the same, that have plateaued, they're at a really high level of fitness and they're maintaining that. You walk into a culture like that, you're just more likely to get uh, results. Yeah. I'm not saying either one of those gyms are better or worse, but this is different gyms out there. Yeah. And then what suits you is very important as well. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I would say that if you're walking into one of those, not really a, a global gym, but one of those gyms that's, you know, it's more of a tight-knit community and people aren't wearing headphones and you're more susceptible to influence by everybody around you. Uh, one yeah. of the best things you can do is, yeah, just walk around first time you come in, ask people how long they've been training there. Oh, you know, like how much results have you got since you were here? Like what were you like when you first walked in? And you'll find out really quickly yeah. um, what's, what the culture is of the gym. And you can, there's a huge assumption that if you go in and everyone's getting crazy results, the odds of you getting good results are very high. Yeah. You're just going to get swept along in that river. Whereas if you walk into a gym where almost nobody is getting results and you expect to be the special snowflake of that gym, uh, it's unlikely. And that's the one thing I love about CrossFit. The CrossFit community is bloody close. 
they're bloody close. Like I know, like there's a bad gyms everywhere. Mm. But from what I sense, that sense of community is pretty darn strong in CrossFit. Yeah, it's great, and usually that sense of progress is also pretty strong. Usually, yeah. you you walk into those gyms and you ask someone, and it's like you won't believe where the person started. You know, he's doing twenty pull ups, walked in, could barely hang from the bar, and you see that all the time in those gyms. And I think that is why, for a long time, people get really good results in those gyms. Um, but then the, the downside of it can come as well. You walk into a lot of those gyms and nearly everyone is carrying some niggling chronic injury coming into class. Yeah. That's also likely going to be you after a certain period of time. Yeah. You're on the same type of program. People are coaching technique in the same sort of way. And it's the culture around the injury is, is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, why, I guess, why do some, some of the public still have a misconception of CrossFit as a sport? I'd like to get your perspective on this, right? Uh, do you mean that it's a sport? Uh, what do you mean about the misconception of it? Like, why do, why do you think there still is a misconception in the public regarding CrossFit? Like, what is, like, probably the biggest one? Well, it's the way they do their marketing. Um, yeah. Obviously, they smash it, but the main piece of marketing that I've always had is the Netflix documentaries. So, that, that's the main thing the public sees. You know, they don't, they don't put, like, a, an hour video of a regular class on Netflix. Uh, uh, nobody will watch that but they put, you know, the CrossFit games and stuff up there on Netflix. So it makes complete sense that if that's what most of the public sees, that's what they're going to assume it is. Um, and that, that confusion of CrossFit, the sport and CrossFit, the training program is one of the number one reasons we moved away from it. Yeah. It just was, it's tough for them um, because the sport grew so well and it was incredible for the training program, but just pulling apart the two became so difficult. Um, and there was just such a, no matter how much they tried to deny, it was such a huge influence from the sport down to the gym. And like part of that is like the main event every year for every gym was the open, which is competing in the sport. That was the main event. It was the main social event. It was the main thing to see if your fitness is going well. So there's still the main part of it was trying out the sport once a year for all the clients. So it was just so incredibly hard to tease that apart. Um, and that just made it made it really tough on gyms to start promoting more stuff around sustainability, start promoting, you know, different types of fitness that have nothing to do with the sport, but it's just great for your health overall. Yeah. Um, because you know, every year they would have that just refocusing on the sport. So I think, you know, while there may be a misconception with the public still inside the gyms, I think there's a misconception where mm-hmm. the most authentic CrossFit gyms are the ones that most look like the sport in truth. Yeah, yeah, I completely understand. Is that they all put the, the, that they hedge their bets on the open, and all these athletes go go hard towards it, but then it just kind of defers from what's actually there, what it should be. Yeah, well, what the open does is it's the main event every year, and it yeah. puts people that focus on the sport above their everything else in their life. It puts them on the pedestal. Yeah. Exactly. So the the member that just you know ignored his family life or ignored his injuries just to focus on the being good at the sport he gets put on a pedestal for that five weeks. Yeah. Whereas the other member that, yeah, maybe focus more on their flexibility and their rehab um, and their, you know, swimming outside of the gym, that person every week is like, oh, well, negative reinforcement. What you've done this year hasn't been good. Even yeah. though it has been really good, it just wasn't good for the sport. And that every single year, I think, can start to deteriorate a culture um, that's trying to promote stuff outside of the sport. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. Totally agree. I can see where you're coming from there. Um, another big one is like nutrition and supplements. So I want to touch on supplements. I haven't really touched on it with guests so far and your your view on this, Raph. Is there any supplements that are completely necessary that we should be taking? Or do you think a great, per, a, great a good diet just conquers all? 
Yeah, I think across the board, uh, there's yeah. not. So there's not like a, a supplement that everybody needs to take. Um, so where we sit on it is obviously your food and your lifestyle is by far and away the most important and the supplements are an add-on. But the supplements are also incredible. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've, I'll give an example is I had a client at the gym that was like just having so much trouble, couldn't recover, was all the different issues um, with the gym and then got tested. She was low on a B vitamin, got some B vitamin supplementation happening. Uh, and it was like a miracle. Everything got better, yeah. training got better, lifestyle got better. And, that, and that's a supplement. Um, so to say that like they, they're completely unnecessary and you just need to eat well, like that is also crazy as well. Yeah. Um, they can be incredible for the person. Uh, there's just not one that everybody needs, but working out the ones that are really good for you. Um, obviously, there's some supplements like the big C's, um, creatine and caffeine that are generally helpful for nearly every single person. <laughs> yeah. and, and they have the most um, evidence behind them. Both got thousands of, of studies behind to support them, but still they're not necessary, like 100% not necessary as well yeah. um, to, to get super fit in, in the same breath. So no, like none of them are super necessary. It's not a huge part. Obviously, people spend way too long thinking about them when it's like, you know, it's, it's the few percent and you should be focusing on, on the 97%. But we are still a believer in them. I take them, Lockie takes them, we promote them. It's just finding the right ones for you. Yeah. Um, I guess one example of what I'm still a big fan of, I'm still a big fan of like ZMA supplements in the evening. Yeah. Um, helps with your sleep, helps with your testosterone production. And, and you know, I noticed the difference. And I've tested my sleep on and off them um, using data, like measuring my sleep. And, and I've, I've seen a benefit for them. Yeah. Um, and then I had my omega-3 tested more recently. It's my omega-3, omega-6 levels. And, and they're quite good because I, I do eat a healthy diet, but, but they could be better. It could be more optimal. So I started supplementing with a high-quality um, fish oil supplement. And, and like, that's a good example where a lot of people might just recommend that, recommend that for everybody. Yeah. Um, but it's a really good one that, hey, it's a really cheap test. You get a test done. You see where you're at. And with a combination of good diet and the supplements, you might be able to bring your levels up and see if that can improve your skin or other things like that that I'm looking yeah. to see some improvement in. Um, so like those are the main ones. I'll probably take protein, honestly. I've been taking it since I was 10. I'll probably take it. <laughs> it's just, that's just part of being a gym junkie to take yeah. protein forever. Um, but yeah, we're definitely not obsessed with them. Um, but we are believers in taking the right ones. Yeah, 100%. Because I say, you know, especially young teens who just, you know, smash it or, lower, or just anyone really who think the supplement's going to change everything. They're just going to put on the, the gains as much as they, you know, as they've ever wanted. But, you know, it's really, it's just a supplement to your diet. Your diet is the thing that's going to drill this all and your recovery and sleep and everything else. That's the best supplement you can take and improve. Yeah, diet and lifestyle. And probably the mistake I made when I was young and taking the supplements is, Obviously, my finances were limited, so I'd always go for the cheapest ones. Yeah. And some supplements, it doesn't matter that much, but particularly for the ones I mentioned and the ones I take, if you can't afford good ones, you actually just, I think, better off not taking them. Yeah. Um, getting really cheap, shitty supplements is usually just worse. That's really a time where you hey, I just can't afford it right now. I'm just not going to take them. I'm going to focus as much as I can on my diet and lifestyle, which will probably get you all the way there. Um, but when you're looking to get supplements, I do think it's a place that it's worth making a financial investment. Uh, you don't yeah. need to get the best ones in the world. But getting some good quality ones where you know where they're from, there's not other shit in them, yeah. some decent quality standards. I think that to me is the bare minimum for something like supplements that you're putting them into your body. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And um, it's got to be, yeah, like you said, it's got to just be very supplemental to you and it's got to work for you and, you know, and anything that you want to improve on. Like sleep. Like you said, you're trying to improve your sleep and, and you know, if you can improve that, Bob's your uncle, it's better. Everything else is going to fall into place. Absolutely. And, and, 
you know, I'm always a huge fan of supplements having some sort of like protein, leave that aside. That's just part of my diet to increase protein. But uh, the other supplements I'll take, I try and have some way of just seeing if I got the improvement that I was paying for by getting yeah. the supplement. I think sometimes people just get it. I'm like, what are you hoping to get out of it? They're like, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's, you know, why you often turn around and just say, well, I don't really know if it helps because you, you didn't really have a good test of what yeah. you're trying to see improve. Or well, my so, mate was taking it. So I thought I'll go buy it as well. Yeah. <laughs> what do you expect? I hope to look like my mate. You're not going to look like him. So have a think about, Hey, what am I actually trying to get out of this supplement? Um, how long am I going to take it for? And then see if I can see an improvement mm. with there. With my omega-3, I'll just probably get my omega-3 levels tested again. And I was looking to get some skin improvements. So I'm, I'll look at how that's going, how I'm feeling. And then if I think it's making a difference, I'll probably keep it up. If I don't, I probably just won't spend money on it forever. Yeah. And I'll just cut it and I'll focus somewhere else. Um, yeah. Same thing with my sleep. Just, you know, simply I can just track how my sleep is going when I take it when I don't. Uh, so I think having those sort of tests and retests when it comes to supplements is really good. And that way, what you'll tend to find is you might try 15 different supplements and you'll land on the two or three that work. And you'll yeah. stick with them. Yeah, hundred percent. Totally agree. Totally. You know, on the other side of it, like nutrition, everyone seems to be wanting to lose fat and lose weight these days. Mm. What are your thoughts on so like those kind of, you know, like, okay, keto, vegan, and all those kind of things, um, diets that necessarily you know, promote losing fat as being the best thing. I know. Is that kind of your view as well? Is that fine if it works for you, or is it just a matter of fact of having to get down and? calculate your calories in the day that's what's gonna be the right thing for you yeah the the idea of this is what works for me that is a great idea but it, it can be misleading because people might try you know two diets and then the second one works really well for them and they're like well this one works really well for me but you, you also don't know some of the other ones out there also wouldn't have worked yeah. well and, and even better um so that can be a fallacy people fall into where we fall into it is we do try and stick away from the diets as in general for most people as much as possible uh, once people get in the mindset of like which diet is going to help me succeed, uh, they're usually just on the wrong path to start yeah. with. Um, you know, we already know what it takes to lose fat. There's like tons of information in the literature about what it takes to lose fat. And it's, obviously it's going to be in a calorie deficit over a period of time and getting your macronutrients right consistently over the long haul. Uh, yeah. But then there's lots of different ways that you can go about doing that. Uh, you can do it with like a high protein keto diet. You can do it with a vegan diet. You've got to find the thing that works for you. Um, what we find probably the most frustrating is that every couple of years, it's like we throw all that science into the rubbish bin and we just come up with like one random diet. Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, it's like the vegan one and the carnivore one. Yeah. Both can work. Both can work really, really well for weight loss. Insane to say either of them can't work. They obviously yeah. can work. You know, there's nothing against the principles of fat loss that you can't lose weight with either of them or build muscle um, with either of them. For some people, they'll be better and worse. But what we generally don't like about them is that it's quite restrictive um, and anything that's restrictive is not going to be sustainable. So you've already put an end date on this, on this new diet you've gone. Uh, what we try and do at the gym is we say, Hey, do you think you could, you know, do you think you could keep up this diet that we've got you on for like the next 10 years? If people are like, no way. It's like, okay, cool. Well, don't start then. Don't even bother yeah. starting because you just set yourself up for a rebound and a failure down the road. Let's pick one that is the most sustainable. You know, if I can get somebody the right results without taking, without taking away uh, much from their diet, I know that's going to be more successful in the long run. Yeah. Something like keto, I think it can be good. Uh, and I've seen people get great results with it. But it's just really hard to stick with in the long run. Yeah, you know, there's, just, there's just dinner functions that are going to be annoying for like your whole life. So that is just a challenge for a lot of people. And maybe you, know, you can't eat with the family forever. That's going to be really hard to sustain. 
If we could get you the results you were after, but not have those type of restrictions, we're usually going to find it's more successful in the long run. Yeah, and there's that, it's that importance of sustainability. You know, it's a great question asked on, you know, can you see yourself doing this in 10 years' time? Oh, no, nah, I just want to do it for a couple of months just to get my dream body for this event. You know, the stuff yeah. like that, you hear that so much. Yeah, and then, and then you're on the rebound and it's disaster. You know, it's, it's, why, it's why when people start a diet, the literature shows that they're likely going to be in worse shape in 12 months' time than the person that doesn't start a diet. Yeah. So starting a diet actually gets you in worse shape in the long run because, because people rebound. Um, and rebounding is, is really bad for metabolism and it's bad for your relationship with food as well. Um, so we don't really use the word very much uh, with clients. We more just try and build some really good nutritional habits. Yeah. Um, they're going to stick with them in the long run. Because um, that's usually what nearly everybody needs. They just need really good habits. Yeah. You know, the way they look is just a sum of their genetics and their diet and lifestyle habits. So if yeah. we can just slowly improve those habits, the outcome of looking better is going to take care of itself. It's just a lagging indicator. You know, how you look, it's just an indicator of how you've um, eaten and slept and exercised over the last 10, 20 years. Yeah. Um, and eating and sleeping really well tomorrow is not going to change the way you look very quickly, but yeah. over time it will. Um, so it's just slowly improving those habits for clients. And then we know the outcome will come as we improve those habits. Yeah, 100%. You get a better relationship with food kind of that way. Like, you know, I can have that chocolate block or you know i'm allowed to i'm not, not you know, once you restrict things it gets kind of toxic and dangerous and stuff like that yeah they, they have that it's like the the what the hell effect where yeah they get um they'll get participants in and they'll have like they'll get into like try some you know bad for your food they'll be like hey you can try this like cake or whatever people that are on diets will gorge way more of the people way more of the bad food than people that are not on diets because mm. if you're not on a diet it's like oh that was great but you know i might have some more cake tomorrow so i'll just leave it there i'm full but the other person yeah. is like, oh, well, what the fuck? Like, I've blown my diet for the day anyway. I'm not going to be able to eat this for a long time because I'm meant to be going back on my diet. I'm just going to eat this till I'm sick. Um, yeah. So that, that's why that you know, in the long run, usually those sort of restrictive diets lead to worse outcomes later on. Yeah. Have you had any experiences with fasting? Because there's been a bit of literature about fasting and the benefits of that. Have you or Lockie really personally experienced that before? Uh, Lockie hates fasting. Yeah. Uh, I've done it a bit more. Um, I think it's, it's just different in types of metabolism. Uh, yeah. Tends to eat much more frequently. I have done it quite a lot. I did uh, like fasting for 16 hours a day, eating for eight hours a day for about 12 months. Um, and I've done some like three day fast as well. Uh, we, I think it's great. Uh, it definitely was a fad that came up and died away a bit as well. Yeah. Um, because it's great, but the bad side of it is, and this, you can see this coming a long way, is people would just say, hey, this is a really good way to lose weight. Um, but it shouldn't really be about losing weight because yeah. losing weight you know, will come with a calorie deficit. It won't come over a calorie deficit over a whole week. It won't come by a crazy calorie deficit on one day and then a surplus on the next day. It's yeah. not how it works. It's going to come over the whole week. So it's, there is you know, really, while it is great, there's nothing that magical you're talking about fat loss or muscle gain about just distributing different times of day to eat. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a bank account. If you just like make no withdrawals on a bank account for one day and then tons of withdrawals the next day, it doesn't make any difference <laughs> if you just spread it over the two days. Exactly. And that analogy works reasonably well for fitness. Um, but the, the good side of it that I found was it can be an easy way to stick to a calorie deficit. Um, just restricting how long you eat in a day uh, definitely makes a big difference. Cause if you just shorten that window, it takes a bit of that self-control out of it because you know how hey, I'm just not eating. So I'm just not going to pick up that thing while like that brownie on the way to work because I just know I'm not eating at this time. Yeah. So restricting that window can make it easier and you know in that window 
you've got all your meals prepared. So I think the guys um, tend to have more success with it in, in those time restricted windows. It can be good for a lot of clients sleep. Um, stopping them eating too late at night can be really good for your sleep, which can have you know, flow on really good effects for their fat loss as well. Uh, and then the longer diets, obviously there's some like health outcome stuff that um, is not that relevant to how you look in the short term, but people say it can be good for you in the long term. I think the jury is still out on that. We've got to see how the science comes out of the next few years. Yeah. Uh, but it can be great for your relationship with food. Just doing some of those longer fasts teaches you like, hey, so that feeling I get when I'm really hungry after two hours, it's not a real hunger single because, uh, okay. you know, two days later, I'm still don't feel that hungry. Yeah. So you tend to realize, hey, these like hunger signals come and go. This isn't really a hunger single. This is just more of like a boredom single or this is more of like a just I'm thirsty. Yeah. Um, We've all gone there. Been there. Yeah, exactly. So, so there's some good stuff that, I, that it can work really well there. But I think I've also seen it can be pretty bad for people's relationship with food because they get more, they, they've gone from eating just balanced meals into more of this like restrict and then gorge type yeah. scenario you know they've gone from just eating like a normal person to starving all day and they're just eating like 100%. insane amounts of until their stomach is like popping out and they feel sick and their digestion is horrible and then they repeat it the next day and if you're in yeah. that sort of uh just habit that that you've just you've you've put a worse habit into your eating exactly worse habit you know so you know we try and avoid anything that is adding bad habits yeah i, t- I totally agree and we all have bad days and we all have bad meals like mm. it's like it's not you know, one meal, where this great thing, one meal is not going to make you fat. Like just like one meal is not going to make you shredded. Yeah. It's that sustainability and that consistency, which is, you know, no matter what method you use within the gym or nutritionally, if you can sustain it, you can get some, you know, you know work towards your goals and it works, go for it. Yeah. Usually what we'll say exactly that. There's no bad meals, but there definitely are bad habits. Yes. So like, you know, picking up a burger on the way home, is it a bad meal? It might not be if it fits in all right to the context of your overall diet. But if you're in the habit of picking up that um, burger every single day on the way home from work when you weren't hungry and it's just additional calories, then that is a bad habit and that will have effect on the way you look. Yeah, 100%. Now, and another side of things within the gym, we see, you know, as we touched on before, that demographic of team, everyone wants to build muscle. Everyone wants to gain muscle, lose fat. Two big pillars. From Raf and you boys uh, and Lockie, I guess, as much as you can speak for him at the moment, what are probably the you know, the most beneficial ways in the weight room. So either, you know, what, what technique or what philosophy overall you think is the best way to, and it's back to gain muscle. Um, are you talking for, for everyone or a particular type of person? Uh, particular type, we'll say, we'll say for everyone generally. Yeah. I mean, we we ask this question a lot on our show and the, the principles around muscle gain are really consistent. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, a certain amount of volume of training, need to do in a week so no sets uh, and then there's obviously a consistent calorie surplus um, that you need to hit uh, and a certain amount of protein in line with your body weight that you also need to hit consistently yeah. so like that stuff is clear and i think everybody knows that so it's like not that interesting um but so when it actually comes to doing it practically for people uh what we've tend to find people have more success with is yeah it's finding a type of training that they can do very consistently mm. um and they can do it in a really good environment that pushes them to be able to do it consistently and push themselves over time. Because what that gives you is a number of things. One, it gets you to show up consistently because you really enjoy the environment. Um, two, that little bit of like competitiveness and, and that sort of stuff gets you to you know, increase weight over time, increase intensity over time. And that progressive overload will send muscle growth signals to your body. Um, so if you can get people into that environment, that's why I think a lot of these gyms, people will really blow up and get awesome results. 
um, and, and gain muscle really quickly when they can get into a smaller environment of, of guys or girls that are all on that same path because it just pushes them and makes it more enjoyable. So they hit that consistency and they hit that progressive overload. Those two big pillars all yeah. the time in the gym. Uh, and then you just got to take, take care of the nutritional aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, and what we usually recommend for clients is just getting some period of your life where you do some tracking. So you, you have some awareness about if you're getting enough protein, carbs and fat in, in a day. Um, and then just being really diligent in actually tracking your results as well. Often what we see with clients is they just don't do it for long enough. So they'll just say, how oh, like not gaining muscle. And what usually we find is that they are gaining. It's just not as fast as their expectations. Yeah. So they've like gained two kilos in the last few months, which is epic. Awesome. But they thought they were going to gain 10. So in their eyes, it's not working. And then they give up. Whereas if they just stuck with that path for the next one, two, three, five years, they would have gained a ton of muscle and been stoked with their results, but just their like tracking of it. So they, they didn't really realize that they only gained a little bit because you couldn't really tell in the mirror and their expectations were way off. Yeah. Um, so that will like come back to bite them. So there's nothing that magical about um, the best way to do it. I think everyone really knows the best way to do it, but get yourself in an environment where it's going to push you and you're going to be, be able to do it consistently. Yeah. Uh, and then just get your expectations in check so that as you slowly gain muscle over time, you can just be patient with it. Yeah. Is it vital for the three pillar so deadlift, bench press, squat? Mm. Is it vital for everyone to just flatline do that to gain muscle, or can you work around that? Yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely don't need yeah. the three lifts to, yeah. to gain. Uh, more and more these days, we've been recommending against it. They're, obviously, they're awesome, but for so many clients, the barbell is just a really harsh training tool. Yeah, super harsh training tool. You know, if you most clients come in with some side to side issues, you know, one hip uh, more mobile than the other, one firing better than the other or um, differences in their thoracic spine, their shoulders. They come in with a lot of these side to side issues. The barbell is just has no wiggle room, right? It's not going to work well for that. It's a really tough training tool. So forcing clients to barbell back squat, most clients aren't ready for it. And it's just so unnecessary to get muscle gain in especially when everyone, especially when everyone works at an office desk already. So yeah, it's, impingements, yeah, yeah, it's a disaster. Yeah. And, and you know, what's awesome about the barbell is that first of all, it's fun. It looks good. And it's really easy to like incrementally overload it over time. So it's incredible. This is, you can go as heavy as you ever want to, and you can make really small adjustments along the way. So it's great. And it's like convenient. Right. Um, but for most clients, they're like barely touching it when they're starting with us as they're building up. Cause if, if muscle gain looking good as your goal, like completely unnecessary, right? Uh, if you want to compete in a barbell sport, then it's very necessary but we still think um, having other types of training in there is going to lead to more sustainability. Um, but for our own training yeah, and for clients, we've moved away from the three main lists probably more and more over yeah. time. Um, just because what we've tended to find is people are like, Hey, I actually don't care that much about the number of what it is. And I care a bit more about just like how I look, how I feel and, and what I can do. Yeah. Wonderful. That's perfect. Yeah. And then within at home and during COVID, do you think people can still gain muscle and work towards their goals, even with just their body weight? Yeah, it's a good question. So we, yeah. we've been chatting about this a lot. People have been talking about, um, can I still gain? Look, if you have no access to resistance training, um, it's going to be harder. Uh, but the one thing that you definitely can do if you don't have much is frequency. Frequency is still going to be important when it comes to building muscle. So maybe before, if you like, you train chest like once a week, you might be training those muscle groups five times a week and, and you likely be able to get away with that at home. Cause you're just doing like pushups and burpees and squats and different stuff like that. Yeah. You can just pump the frequency out of that. If you still get your nutrition right on point and you hit it really hard with a lot of frequency and you continue to challenge yourself on movements, you definitely can. 
Um, and I think you can definitely gain it towards the upper body. Just because with the upper body, um, your body weight is incredible resistance. If you're doing yeah. handstands, your little, you know, I've got a $12 pull-up bar you can see in the back of the screen. You put yeah. a few of those things in your training environment, then no question you can. Because that is resistance training. You know, it's, it's your body weight as a resistance. Lower body, it can be a little bit harder um, just because your body weight isn't that much resistance. Um, but it still can be done w with frequency. And I think that's been great out of COVID is people have realized um, just some different, more, uh, and, you know, creative ways to work out. And then also I thought, hey, this is a great opportunity to get some small amount of training tools at home that you can have, you know, a little bit of equipment at home that you can build muscle with. Yeah. If someone doesn't take much, man. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. And, you know, your body is, you know, you can master your body in a sense. And I think it puts greater value on something like the barbell or something because you need to be almost kind of entitled to work towards something like that, I think. You know, everyone, like you touched on it before, Raph, is that we all get caught up on someone deadlifting a, 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 a stuff load or you know, squatting, you know, 200, but you know, if you can master your body weight, it can, you know, open up a whole different avenue, especially during COVID. Yeah. I love that hundred percent. And that's a good way to communicate it is yeah, is to earn the right to do it. Mm. Uh, if you can earn the right to do those lifts, most people don't, most people just jump straight to them, which, which is why the injuries or the burnout happens. But if you can be really diligent and earn the right to do them, then because you have done that, you'll be rewarded and you'll progress on them faster. Your body will feel good and you'll be able to do them for longer because yeah. you laid that foundation before jumping into them. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Now, if someone had the luxury of saying three items they could buy at home and, you know, they'd gone out and splurged like we were talking about before um, and get a few items, what would you recommend, Raph, just at home? Now, we've gone back and forth on this so much over the last couple of months. Yeah. And I think we've come to a good conclusion um, and we're looking to put in a big order of these because they're quite sold out at the moment. But, uh, an adjustable set of dumbbells. Yeah. I think that's the number one thing you can have at home is an adjustable set of dumbbells. So, you know those cool dumbbells that can go up from like five kilos to like 25 kilos and there's click in and out. So it's just one set of dumbbells, but they can change weights. Yeah. No, you need so little room. You can basically fit that into anybody's living environment. Um, there's so much variety that you can do with dumbbells. We prefer it to a kettlebell just because a kettlebell has a quite a big learning curve, there's a lot of technique that comes in a kettlebell. If you've yeah. never used it and you go grab one from the store, uh, it's going to be a disaster trying to learn how to like kettlebell snatch and, and different movements like that at home. Whereas a dumbbell is a much more simple training tool, um, but still has that wide variety of options that you can do with it. I think that is like number one. That is like such a good thing that you can have at home. Uh, and then if you wanted to put some more stuff on that and say second thing, um, would be some stuff that you can do your body weight with. And it might be like a pull-up bar, you hang over the door, maybe like a TRX um, that you can also put in there. Something yeah. like that, like a, like a body weight suspension trainer. So you can do um, just more variety with, with your body weight movements. Uh, if you have those two things, I think, I think you're really well placed. Uh, for a third thing, I'll just mention what I've got, which I've got a piece of cardio equipment and a soft bike. Yeah. Um, something like that. I do think it's a bit more expensive and takes up a bit more space, but... For me, it's amazing because it just allows you to not actually have to leave the home. Um, there's no excuses like if it's raining and you can't run or, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and then you can, you know, you can do a pretty complete routine. Yeah, 100%. It keeps you accountable and sustainable. Yes. Yeah. But one, one good set of dumbbells, I think you can just do so much wow. with, particularly tempo training and stuff like that, uh, like slow, you know, moving slowly through movements while you still train your legs with dumbbells. There is a ton you can do with that. Um, so... If I had to just pick one thing, that adjustable set of dumbbells, I think 
you know, if we hit more pandemics in the future, I think it's, <laughs> but even if we don't just having that at home is, is awesome. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's funny how many guys I see in our local gym, you know, they can, oh, and I, they can bust out, you know, six or seven chin ups, but they can't, they can't bent, you know, they can bench a heap. You know, it's mm. funny just how the, the difference is in them and when they can't master their, their own body and can't do the simple as well, which is so important in building a foundation for fitness. Yeah, and what's been so great with COVID is what you see is that if you can get more well-rounded with your fitness, then it's actually much easier to stay fit uh, when you're more restricted by equipment. So if, you're, if you can move yeah. really well, so you can jump out and, hey, all I've got is a pull-up bar, but I'm doing like single leg squats because I've got great mobility and control through my ankles and hips and I can train that way. I'm busting out like chin-ups and levers and different stuff like that on the pull-up bar because I've got good body awareness and body weight strength. I'm doing handstands, you know, against the wall or freestanding. You've got so many different options with your training. Where I can just run for an hour because I've built up the running mechanics and the endurance and the muscles I need to to be able to run. When you're really well well rounded in your fitness like that, you can train with anything. Yeah, options are huge. Whereas when you are like uh, heavy and just really good at bench press and deadlifts, it's still awesome. I still I still think that type of training is sick um, and it's fun. But it just means that when you're without a gym and you've got like your body weight and a pull up bar and some dumbbells. Yeah, it's like I can't do that much, right? Because I haven't got a lot of the skills I need to be able to do much in that sort of environment. So that's why we love just being well-rounded. Yeah, and hopefully, like, within all these people, like, people that, you say, work away. You know, a lot of people work away or work remotely or they can, you know, do a sick little workout when they're away from home. They can meet their goals as well. Dude, incredible. And, you know, my mind has been open to this during this as well. You know, I've done some, we've done some Zoom classes, like what we're doing right now, but for a fitness class with, with my gym. Yeah. And like I've hit a workout with 20 other people with, you know, handstands, kettlebell swings, skipping, like all in my living room. Um, yeah. which I, I never really thought was possible before. Um, but now I've just realized there's no reason why not um, move a few things around, get the equipment at home. So exactly what you said, you know, that's where I see the, that's why I really see some of the long impacts for the positive from this whole scenario is, how we coach people remotely, what people do when they're traveling, what people do when they can't get to the gym. Um, that has just taken like a 10 year level up. Yeah. And it definitely gives some people the confidence who might be a bit nervous getting into a commercial gym around other people mm. to start at home and follow an online program and get some confidence that way. Some people, that's all they've got. You know, I've got, yeah. uh, I've got a newborn at home uh, and I can go to the gym. Like I, I own a gym. So I, can, I still can go there. Um, but I went today. It's like the first time I've been in a month because um, I just haven't had the time to leave home. Yeah. So having those options at home, sometimes that's going to hit just with life. With life, you just will be locked in a house and you, and you exactly. won't be able to get to a gym. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of it. I love it. And I'm glad to see so many people realizing how good it is. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. Totally agree. Now, Raph, what's on? Now, what's on for? I know once this is all lifted, what's plans for the My Muscle Project, boys? Uh, once COVID's done, what, what's the what's the big ambition? What's the big goals? What's next? Man, good question. So, we did have a big announcement that we were building up on the show that COVID yeah. put a delay on. We will come back to that announcement. Announce what it is. I'm not going to do it right now, but we'll come back to that. And that is like really our, our big plans um, for what we're going to do. Uh, but for the show, you know, we want to really keep keep growing it. Um, I'm starting to look for some different sort of guests. I've had a lot of guests on. I look for some more out of the box guests. Um, but you know, we love what we do. We get to ask the top names health and fitness. Uh, what we believe more of an Aussie style on things because they do a lot of Aussie podcasts. Yeah. So we, we try and bring that. Uh, but yeah, it's just bringing value to health and fitness. 
uh, I think health and fitness is more important after COVID than it was before. So we want to still be there to support the general public through that, through the show. Yeah. Um, but then also we want to be there to support in an even bigger way in-person clients that come into our gym. So those, those are the two avenues we see. We see like a really general way we can help as many people as possible with thousands of listeners on the show. Uh, and then for people that want to pay and get coaching in person, then we want to be able to really deliver an incredibly high amount of value to those clients. Same message, but just a different way of delivery. Um, and then and we're actually experimenting now. We just launched a dumbbell program that I'm see. doing at the moment. So it's a dumbbell only program through the podcast. That's like more of a middle ground where it's like, you're not training with us in person. You do listen to the show. Now you can get some of the training we believe in yeah. Um, at home. Yeah, that's unreal. That's so different unreal. stuff like that we're, we're definitely going to keep going with. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's more of the same. Unreal. Unreal. You guys do a wonderful job. Look up to you so much. Um, I love your philosophy and everything. You're great blokes. Thanks for coming on my show, mate. I appreciate it heaps. And hopefully we can get this up going another time and get lucky on here somehow. Yeah, exactly. No, I think <laughs> that'll be really fun. And uh, maybe, yeah, maybe during the next pandemic or uh, we can just do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. One, one after. It'll be interesting. I think that there's going to be some really interesting changes in health and fitness um, that's coming in the future. Uh, and I think, yeah, podcasts like you're doing are really, really good because the more voices you can have giving their spin on health and fitness, I think yeah. the more people, different types of people will be able to find someone that they resonate with. 100%. And, you know, all you need to do is find someone that you really resonate with, you resonate with their message, and that can set you on a path uh, that transforms your life through health and yeah. fitness. Exactly. And, um, and it's so important. Like it sounds silly, but health and fitness, you, know, you see so many amazing stories of how it's changed people's lives, mine and personally, but you know, like it's just so important like to go out and seek hard measures or go, you know, increase your health and fitness. Like it's just, it's, it's still to me, even though it's such a big you know, frame on it now, it's still underrated to me. Like yeah. I just love it. Like it's so underrated, like how much you can just prove your overall well-being and change your opportunities in life and accountability and discipline. It just brings you so much more opportunities. And yeah, that's why I love you boys as well. It's, it's spreading that way. Yeah, I think, I think people are opening their eyes to it. You're right. It, it, yeah. It's true. It's like it's so big and it's so popular, but it still is underrated. Um, there's still a long way to go. You know, I'll tell you one thing I think, which is the gyms have been closed now for about, let's say, five weeks, right? For most of the clients at those gyms, they've only missed out on that one session because they were barely going to the gym anyway. So even though people know how great it is and how many people we have members of gyms, still getting people to consistently do health and fitness is still a struggle. Um, so there is still a long way to go. I think for people to really see the true benefits of it, they come through uh, discipline and consistency. Yeah, 100%. Raf, thank you again, mate. I really appreciate you giving up your time on a Saturday. Thanks heaps, mate. No worries, Pat. It was really fun. Cheers, mate. How about that for an episode, guys? I hope you all really enjoyed that one. Quick shout out to my man, Michael Peters, the man behind the camera, and also big, big love to 3RPC for allowing us to utilize the studio space. Without you guys, none of this would be possible. So big thank you. Please make sure you all follow at a chat with Pat on Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes, and please don't be afraid to leave a review. We are open to all feedback to make this as good as possible for all our listeners. Stay safe and all my love, guys. You.